0: Hi, my name is Titsi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of enterprising families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen, and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi everyone and welcome to Enterprising Families podcast and on this episode of Enterprising podcast I have Dennis Passis and he is going to be sharing with us a wealth of knowledge from his experience and from the amazing work that he has been doing. Welcome Dennis.
1: Well thank you Cece for having me I really appreciate it.
0: And I'm so so excited for you to share with us the amazing work that you've been doing and uh, it's going to start off our conversation and it's going to allow us to really dig deep and look at why it is so important to look at where we're coming from and how it will guide us into the future and on that note can you please tell everybody who you are what you do and why i say it's so amazing
1: well thank you i the uh um uh, the project that I'm involved in, uh, and that I founded, is called the Family Wealth Library, uh, which can be found at uh, familywealthlibrary.com. Uh, the, the reason for uh, going ahead and, uh, and establishing this, uh, this library, which is an aggregation of the world's information on the subject of family wealth, is because, very simply, I didn't want to have happened to others what happened to myself and my family. Uh, for around 40 years, I was involved in a, uh, a mid-size, uh, successful family business that my father founded, that uh, my son was working in, my brother-in-law was there too. and. Um, Uh, After my father passed away, within six months, I was the subject of uh, what is called a minority shareholder squeeze-out. That uh, uh, left me with nothing other than a piece of paper called Stock Certificate, uh, where I owned about 30% of the company. That was followed by six years of litigation that was finally settled in the middle of the trial. Uh, And after that settlement, I started to think about what had happened, not only to myself, but my immediate family, and also the rest of my family. Uh, an absolutely horrible experience that destroyed in my opinion our family uh, uh, there had to be some way to uh help others uh avoid something that i never in my wildest dreams even imagined would happen to me and my family
0: And I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out like going through all this and then getting to a space where you're thinking, how can I help others? And that, that, that's the spirit of true service in, in, in its entirety. So what was the, you said that you wanted the library to be something that people can learn from and how do they learn from it?
1: Well, uh, they learned from it by going to the library and looking at the, uh, the subjects that are being covered.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I, I learned, uh, maybe I should just back up one uh, one little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, after the settlement, mm-hmm. I had to figure out what was it that went wrong?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and uh, and you know it, it's always going to revolve around family conflict. But you know I had to dig deeper. Uh, and what I discovered and and then clarified with uh, uh, with others, is that a, a prime reason for family conflict uh, is not that I took something from my sister when she was three years old.
2: Mm-hmm. but it, it,
1: it really had to do with the ignorance that the entire family had about the subject of family dynamics. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's always going to be conflict in family. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Conflict represents differences of opinion, but it's how you manage that conflict that is going to dictate uh, how a family uh, uh, can flourish going forward, Mm -hmm. Uh, or not flourish going forward. Uh, That takes information, knowledge, uh, uh, work on the part of the family members to understand the dynamics and the culture of their families. Uh, Where do you get this information? Mm. Uh, Well, uh, I decided that one place you can get that information is from a library uh, Mm. that has categorized uh, the various areas that that families need to pay attention to in order to be able to flourish in the future.
0: And when you're thinking of library, you're thinking of a space where there's lots of books. Um, Is the format of the library books itself, or is it, is it, is it, podcasts? Is it digital articles? What format does it come in? And who well, puts together all the, uh, who puts together the articles and the content?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, uh, it's a website, mm-hmm. and uh, and that means when we have an awful lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. The first place that we started was collecting books, aggregating books on the subject of family wealth. And most people, when they hear the word wealth, think in terms of the tangible, the money. Uh, However, the real wealth of a family is in the intangibles, Uh, uh, whether it's human capital or intellectual capital or emotional capital or spiritual capital or social capital. Uh, That's where the real wealth of the family is Mm -hmm. and it's supported by the financial, the money. So the books uh, and articles that we've aggregated are all about the uh, uh, subjects like uh, family governance, which we call family decision-making or transitions uh, or uh, uh, information dealing with the rising generation. Uh, we have a collection uh, concerning uh, philanthropy, uh, collections concerning trusts, uh, small collection on legal, we're not trying to be attorneys here, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and several other collections, family offices, for instance, is being built right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had to categorize the information to make it easy for people like myself who were ignorant totally ignorant of the subjects uh, surrounding what we call family dynamics mm-hmm. uh in the future there are going to be podcasts there'll be videos we're building those right now mm-hmm. uh, articles from around the world uh but all organized in a in a, in a way that uh, makes it easy for somebody to start to dig into uh, a particular area and uh, and and get some information. Uh, the other thing that I, I I realized early on is that this entire subject of family conflict is a taboo subject. Mm. Uh, you know, we all live by the uh, um, uh, the uh, the phrase. Don't wash your dirty linen in public. Mm-hmm. So that means way way back when, when I was in the business uh, with my family, if somebody asked me, so how's it going, uh, Dennis? Uh, how's it going, you know, working with your family? Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yep. And I did. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> things happened that I uh-huh. didn't have any, any understanding of. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, you just tried to keep your eye on the ball and build the business because there were a couple of mottos that, uh, that our, our family lived by. The first one was toasts uh, at the dinner table. May it never end. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: guess what? <laughs> it, it ended. It ends
1: when you're Mm. ignorant Mm. and another motto that we live by was that money has a common sense all of its own
2: Mm. but
1: when you start to dig deeper i'm not going to question the validity of that statement but i am going to dig a little bit deeper and say if money has a common sense all of its own then that means that all decisions are dictated by money Mm -hmm. And they are not. Uh, I learned from experience and I'm just aggregating the experiences of, of thousands of other families in the library. Uh, decisions are made by emotion. Mm. And and they are then rationalized by the thinking part of our brain. Uh, Those emotions, those feelings are are deep-seated and nobody talks about them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Makes it very, very difficult to uh, get information uh, if nobody's talking. Mm -hmm. Uh, The library is a, a quiet, benign way of educating yourself about these various topics.
0: And I think one of the things that we discussed just before we started recording is the importance of learning from what has happened before or learning from our history. And this makes the library also important because it's people sharing experiences, people talking about different things that may have happened to them or happened to people they know and sharing uh, the consequences of what had happened or what had not happened should have happened. And this is so important. Knowing what happened to other people before really, really helps us when we look at handling situations in the present, and even looking at handling situations in the future.
1: Oh, you're absolutely right. I couldn't emphasize that more. Uh, it, it, you know, it's there. There's a phrase uh, in uh, in this work uh, when you have seen one family. You've seen one family. Mm -hmm. It's true that every family is unique, and the the paths that people are going to devise uh, with their family uh, are always going to be unique to that family.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: However, Mm -hmm. there are families who have. the businesses that were started sometimes hundreds of years ago Mm. that are alive and well and flourishing and when you start to look at uh, how those families made it to the fourth or the seventh generation you find that there are some common threads that that people are uh, are following. And the first one is, they're informed. Mm -hmm. They know that it's going to be a struggle to keep the business and the family alive, connected and flourishing for multiple generations. They know this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And because they're determined to not only achieve financial success, but they're determined to keep their family together and value the connecting, or the connections that the family has to each other. They spend an awful lot of time uh, trying to understand how to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, you know, one very simple way is family meetings. Well, you know, families get together every week for dinner. Mm. You know. Uh, that uh, just getting together isn't enough. You know, uh, family has to start talking uh, to you know, each member, talking to each other, and having meaningful conversations. Uh, what what is our objective of staying together as a family? Huh. That conversation that, <laughs> that could go on for quite a while. Not yep. well, well past a dinner and through the night uh, because everybody's going to have a a, a a different opinion doesn't mean that the family members have different values but there may be shadings that all have to be listened to and taken into account as you try to answer just that one question mm-hmm. it's not easy work
0: it's definitely not easy work. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I'm getting from what you're saying is that as family, we are connected by blood. We can't change that. And it doesn't necessarily mean we're always going to get along. And it doesn't necessarily mean that um, just because we're sitting around a table together, that we have to get along. It means that we may have shared values and we may have um, a shared vision, but every family member at some point Will contribute something that's different, and may want to even choose a different path.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, one one of the techniques that these long-lived uh, families uh, uh, that still have their original businesses,
2: mm.
1: uh, one of the uh, the paths that many of these families take is to provide some means of a family member exiting uh, and not destroying themselves or the family in the process and always being able to welcome them back Mm. should they choose to come back. Uh, That means that in, in these families that have financial success, it means that there has to be some method that is created that allows for liquidity to happen when somebody chooses to take a different path than the family is taking, Mm -hmm. all the while continuing to welcome that family member into the family. This is not easy. <laughs> it's definitely, definitely not
0: easy. And I think that's what makes some of the conversations difficult and some of the acceptance difficult because um, assumption is one of the biggest problems where when it comes to even with the, if the parents are the founders, the assumption is that if I educate my child well, they'll be able to come back and take over my business. And then as the child grows, the child realizes, I really don't want to be an engineer or a doctor or whatever it is my parents are. I have a totally different career path and I want to do something completely different in my life. Similarly, so we've seen it happen even with um, your sibling partnerships where siblings are left the family business and they're given equal shareholding and there's that expectation that obviously after university or after a couple of years, my my brother or my sister is going to join the family business when it's not the case, they actually do not want to be part of the family business. They, they're fine being part of the family because they don't have a choice in that one, but they're saying, I'm not interested in the family business.
1: Um, oh, a- absolutely. And, you know, the without having meaningful conversation, starting at a, a very young age, it really becomes very, very difficult to sur- uh, surmount the hurdles that you're just talking about.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and and, and those, those meaningful conversations are, uh, are one of the ways that trust starts to get established, mm-hmm. as long as during that meaningful conversation uh, people are, are not, uh, are, are really listening and they're uh-huh. not, uh, they're not being aggressive uh-huh. toward each other, but they're, they're listening with respect and, uh, and trying to understand the other person's, uh, viewpoint. Uh, once that, that trust is, is created
2: uh-huh. and,
1: and continually, um, um uh, uh enhance
2: mm-hmm. uh
1: it it becomes much easier to have those rich meaningful conversations that can result in you know I'm not sure that I want to come back into the family business uh dad uh or brother uh you know I'm, I'm really interested in and, you know you pick the subject mm-hmm. uh so but that, that really can only be said in a, in a heartfelt way if there has been a feeling of trust created among the members of the family.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, again, <laughs> this is hard work, mm. uh, especially when you're dealing with a founder uh, who's uh, uh, totally consumed with creating uh, a, a sustainable business. Uh, all of the founders' time is spent uh, on, on making that happen. Uh, and there's not a lot of energy left to be able to uh, come back to the family and work on the family issues. Uh, generally, it's, it's the second generation that is trying to work on keeping the
2: family together.
0: Yeah. And what you're saying is so true. When you have founders or people who are setting up the business, the main focus becomes the business itself and making sure that it's successful and continues to be successful because to a certain extent it becomes attached to the founder's ego and the success of the business is ultimately their success. Whereas in with the second generation, It's one of those where they're thinking, okay, I'm inheriting this. It's something that was built by my my dad, my mom, my uncles, or a close member uh, of the family. And they, they might not have that same attachment to the business that the person who originally founded it and started it has.
1: Oh, absolutely! And now it really does start to get complicated. For instance, you know, we're we're right at the edge of transition, and you know, does does the founder just automatically decide to leave, uh, and and let the second generation come in, uh, you know? Uh, as you mentioned uh, that business is tied into the ego of the founder many times the founder believes uh i am the business and the business is me mm-hmm. and it becomes even more difficult because the founder uh you know is is probably always going to think of his children
2: mm-hmm.
1: as children yep not as adults Yep. And, and is always going to measure his vision of this child, the founder's word, uh, against himself mm-hmm. uh, or herself, mm-hmm. in, in the case it's gender neutral. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the child rarely in the founder's eyes, measures up to the founder, Mm. uh, which makes it even more difficult for the founder to let go. And then you always have the issue, well, if I let go, then what do I do? Mm. The founder's question to himself. uh, And um, who am I if Mm. I let go? uh many times the children of the family are just anxious to get in and start running things the way they should be run uh-huh. never appreciating the kind of feelings of loss that their parents are going to have if their parent is no longer attached to the business you can see how the concepts of family or family feelings get mixed up in the governance of the business. Mm. It is very, very difficult to you know uh, to separate this um, this plate of spaghetti.
0: Yep, and you know what you've just brought up a very powerful point. The feelings of lostness. I'm thinking as a family business owner myself when um, COVID struck and I had to recalibrate and get my GPS to find a new path for what was going to happen during this time. One, and I think a lot of people globally who are founders, non-founders, or just people in general, have found themselves in a space where we're lost. What do I do now? I'm being told stay in isolation. For X number of days, um, I'm not quite certain what to do because you've had you have a pattern, you have a routine. You wake up in the morning, you go to work, you you speak to this person and that person. You you have a set way of doing things, and a lot of founders have uh, probably have businesses that are 30, 40 years old, and from the moment the idea of the business came up, right up until the last moment they're breathing, this is all that they've known. This is all they've always wanted to do. And all of a sudden, it must feel strange to be told, maybe you can't come into the office today.
1: Right. It's it's shocking. Mm -hmm. You you cannot, um, I can say either underestimate or overestimate, but Mm -hmm. these, these feelings of loss, are the first they're never even talked about.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Well how can you exchange information with each other if you're not even going to be talking about if you're not aware of them? Yes. Uh again, this all goes back to being ignorant, whether it it, whether it's deliberate, whether it is just uh, um, something that's you know, people uh, aren't thinking of at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but the fact remains that we're ignorant mm-hmm. uh, about these subjects and, and, and that does not help uh, the family or quite frankly, the business going forward and flourishing. There's another saying, strong families, strong businesses. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I I really, really believe that. Uh, It also means the opposite is true. Weak families, guess what?
2: Weak businesses. 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 Uh,
1: In in this sense, the family is a team. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And you, you can look at information regarding how you develop a highly functioning team and -hmm. take lessons from that and apply it to family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very, very interesting uh, way of looking at uh, the family. A lot of literature out there uh, about how to develop uh, uh, highly functioning teams.
0: And like you said, highly functioning team would be the highly functioning family. And I think one of the most powerful analogies I've, I've come across when it comes to family businesses is that if you imagine a family business being like a, a sports team, where each team has to score a goal against another team, but the focus is not just the goal, but the focus is working together to achieve the goal. And we all know there is no I in team. And if any member of the family goes I, 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 it means there's no teamwork happening. It means that the family is not working together towards the same goal. And obviously you're going to have issues uh, like the ball going offside if it's soccer or scoring an own own goal because there's that dysfunctionality there's that we're not doing we're not going towards the same purpose and there's also you see the power in going towards the same purpose when the team works as one and in Africa we have a proverb that says that um it's it's not one finger that does the job but the whole hand, because you have more fingers, and with more fingers, you can get more done. And I think that's the same thing that you're saying.
1: Well, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Excellent, excellent analogy. Uh, it's, it, you know, one of the indicators of a very, very simple indicator if a, a family member just steps back. And and starts to think about what what are the conversations that we have uh, as as a family Uh, if we are simply talking about the weather or we're trying not denigrating but we're talking about sports Mm -hmm. things that you know are distant from the family. That's an indicator, especially if that's all that we're talking about when we get together. Uh, That's an indicator that we are not a highly functioning team. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Because we're not talking about meaningful topics. When the conversation goes toward meaningful topics, Now we're starting to get an indication that we are developing uh, as a team. Uh, And I've I've always felt that any highly functioning team Mm -hmm. can always defeat whatever opposition exists because they're a team. Not only that, but we as human beings enjoy working in a highly functioning team Mm -hmm. life is rich when we have people around us that we respect i enjoy being with and love Mm
0: -hmm. and that is so true because with with the power that comes in in the team comes that spirit of togetherness Comes that spirit of looking out for your your next. Obviously, in any team you think of, each player on the field, on the chessboard, on whichever game it is you may like, is geared towards protecting the other member, the other team member, or providing opportunity for the other team member to be able to function at their optimum. Right. And so if you take away like if you think of chess, when you start taking away the 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 pieces, you start realizing that the king and the queen who are the most important pieces, especially the king on the chessboard, becomes valueless because they're open for attack and they're open for defeat.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That 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 also is an excellent analogy. I have thought of that, but but you're absolutely right. Yeah.
0: Chess is life. Chess is <laughs> definitely life. Thank you so much, Dennis, for joining me today on this episode of Enterprising Families. Is there one last thing you would like our listeners to go and take some time to think about as they as we wrap up this episode of Enterprising Families?
1: Well, I suppose the, you know, one one wish that i have for uh for everybody Mm
2: -hmm. is
1: that they find ways to become informed about the subjects that are going to help their families stay connected Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: where everybody values that connection Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's so important to find ways to stay connected and find ways to value that connection because it's definitely going to make us a winning team if we are our family business team.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, at D.C.
2: Thank really you. Really enjoyed us. Thank you.